and welcome to another episode of the PBL Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor, where we bring it to you raw, unfiltered, with no chaser. All right, E. Vandervliet here for the PBL Podcast, and let's get right into it. Last night was day two of the Republican National Convention Committee, and the ratings are in for day one. We won't see day two until later on day three, and they're not good. It's not good at all. I won't say it's a disaster, and this is why. Now, I said it was a disaster for the Democrats, and what I also said, we won't know until we see the Republicans. So let's get into the ratings for the first one, first night of the Republican National Committee. Now, why are the ratings important? The ratings are obviously important because it's the number of people who tune in, who are hearing these messages, because what these conventions are designed to do is to you know, firm up the base and possibly get a few of the independents over. Now, this is important. It's important that their message is seen. So early numbers from Nielsen indicate that the first night of the Republican National Convention drew 15.8 million, and that's across six networks. That's important to remember, which is significantly less than the DNC's first night, which drew in 18 point seven million people so the dnc looks like they had a ratings win across those six networks again important to remember now here's some other data though both convention numbers are impressive compared to normal primetime ratings it's also worth noting that they both drew fewer viewers than four years ago the republican national convention experienced a ratings dip of 29% from 2016, and the DNC saw a similar dip of 27. So the DNC did best the RNC by two points, but it's what I've been saying is we won't know how well last week's performance was until we see a comparative to this week's because both are unprecedented convention as both are virtual conventions. So if you look at this on the surface, again, across six networks, they're kind of even. Although, given props, DNC edged just a little bit. That's only day one. So we'll see how the preceding days go. We'll see what day two look like. Now, the production value for the RNC, in my opinion, is way better than the DNC. The DNC was very choppy. Now, again, the RNC gets to look at the DNC because the DNC went first and make those corrections. But the production value from the Republican convention, in my opinion, is way better than the Democrat convention. But at the end of the day, it only matters as to how many people were viewing the conventions. And it looks like more people viewed the Democrat convention right now than Republican convention. So I wonder how many Republicans were watching the Democrat convention and how many Democrats were watching the Republican convention. Does it skew the numbers? Is that that 2% delta? Now here is something that is also very interesting, something to keep in check. The Democrats will tell you, oh, those ratings last week when the ratings were coming in, those ratings are only the network ratings. They're not online viewing. And they were right. So some preliminary numbers we have is C-SPAN. C-SPAN did a live stream. And I, I'm, C-SPAN, is, I'm very impressed by what they're doing. I use them uh, right now. When I want to watch what's going on, I go to C-SPAN. I want to watch it the next day. C-SPAN has a nicely categorized, very easy to follow. It's what I use every day. But C-SPAN is a live stream, no commercials. So C-SPAN's live stream of night one of the Republican National Convention, RNC, 
garnered nearly 440,000 views, which was a major increase over the start of the Democratic National Convention, which drew 36,000 views. So if the left is going to try to say, as they did last week, well, you got to add in online views. Well, if you do that, Republicans come out on, on top. And I also had debating leftists online. One say, well, Republicans tend to watch TV because they're less tech savvy. Well, this kind of blows that argument out of the water. More Republicans or people interested in watching the Republican National Committee watched it streamed live on C-SPAN than they did for the Democrat National Committee. So you can't tell me, and I know they'll try to argue this, the left will, you can't tell me that, well, it's because the Democrats were watching it that many more. So at the end of the day, it looks like the losers in all this is the virtual conventions. It simply does not draw the excitement nor the numbers that a traditional convention draws. The winner on, is online viewing, C-SPAN. Now, there was a criticism of Fox News. In fact, President Trump criticized Fox News and gave praise to CNN because CNN didn't cut away from the convention, whereas Fox News did. Fox News had record high in their ratings. Their ratings, they had, they had record highs. More people watch Fox News than they did CNN, MSNBC. However, if they cut away and people wanted to watch the convention, well, that could have driven them over to C-SPAN. So right now, preliminary numbers, Biggest loser, virtual conventions. They just don't have the draw. But you cannot take these numbers and say the DNC blew away the Republicans. It just didn't. Right now we're even. But And it's only day one. So let's see what happens as we gear up day two. Again, the production values are way better for the RNC. Right, let's get into some media bias on highlights uh, for the first night of DNC or highlight, I'm sorry, night two, last night. Last night, I watched a lot of the convention, and uh, last night was pretty good. I actually uh, saw a lot of value or a lot of uh, information. There's a lady that the former Planned Parenthood, which I'm going to get into in a minute, who's a former Planned Parenthood employee, I thought was powerful. I mean powerful. Uh, in fact, I, I thought her speech was the one that blew me away the most. When, again, like I'm going to say, I'm going to get into it. And then there's another observation here that I want to make. And if you look at both conventions, you see a large contingency or play for the black vote. Okay? They're, they're just you, – you, you saw it in the um, – DNC, right? The DNC was placating the Black Lives Matters. I mean, they had it all over their convention. And then the RNC has a lot of black speakers. So obviously, the, the chase is for the black vote. And the reason is, I've been saying this a lot, the reason is because if the Democrats lose just a fraction more of the black vote, well, they lose the election. It's just that simple. If the Democrats lose any more of the black vote than they've already lost, Trump got about 8% last time. If it goes to 15%, the Democrats are toast. They're just done. And that is what they're so worried about. So the Democrats are doing everything they can to play to the, the black voters. And the Republicans 
are doing the same thing. But here's the difference. For years, for years, you heard the, the, the argument to the Republicans were that they were not trying to cultivate the black vote, that they were not trying to get out and get the black vote and give them a message. Well, those days are over. Even though this is a presidential election, there are many more candidates on the ballot besides the president. So go to Ballot Ready for a nonpartisan guide to your entire ballot. From there, you can compare candidates based on the stances on issues, biography, or endorsements, and then save your choice to use when you vote by mail or in the voting booth. You can even request your absentee ballot or make a plan to vote early or on Election Day. This election matters. So make sure you are ready and you vote and you vote informed. So visit go to ballot.org, enter your address Make sure that you vote and vote informed. So what I see the Republicans doing, reaching out to the black community, I think they're doing it in a very positive way. And the Democrats are just beside themselves on this one because this, this is what they're most worried about in this election. This election more than any other election that I can remember watching is the black vote is the most important vote right now. It's going to tip the scales. And both Republicans and Democrats know this, at least Donald Trump knows this. So you've got the Democrats that are worried. So they're trying to incite fear and division through, you know, what's happening with Black Lives Matters, what's happening with, you know, they call Trump a racist and he's not a racist. There's just no proof that he's a racist. And you see what the Republicans are doing is they're just putting successful black people up and inviting them to the party. This is this is going to be an interesting dynamic. Again, if Trump gets just 15 percent, it's over for the Democrats. So looking at the schedule and then we'll get into some media bias on this. Uh, I'm going to go over this really quick and just kind of give you some highlights. One is um, I think Abby Johnson did an amazing job. Now, Abby Johnson, if you're not familiar with Abby Johnson, she's a former Planned Parenthood employee. And what she did in this speech is basically just, oh my God, lay out why it's just abortion is so abhorrent. And she talks of watching an abortion through an ultrasound and the baby fighting back. And it's just, it was heart-wrenching. And I mean, I don't know how anyone, how anyone cannot watch that and just think twice about your belief structure if you are an abortion advocate or if you believe in the right to choose. Now, there's a lot of um, uh, pushback on her story. There, here is from the Daily Beast. Uh, they put out a story titled as Anti-Abortion Zealot. Abby Johnson's graphic RNC story has been questioned, and it was graphic. And this, this story out of the Daily Beast goes on to talk about how her friend of hers said that she didn't see that. Uh, here, let me go over the story. Anti-abortion activist Abby Johnson told the Republican National Convention an exceedingly graphic story of helping to terminate a pregnancy as a Planned Parenthood employee an account that has been challenged numerous times. Now, the speech contained the kind of shock imagery embraced by some in the anti-abortion movement. You know, you're killing babies. There's, 
there's it's going to be shock imagery no matter what. I mean, I'm not going to get into the graphic detail of what abortion is and how they do it, but it's not pleasant. It's an abhorrent, an abhorrent practice, and it needs to end. And with people like Abby Johnson speaking, more and more people realize what such a just abhorrent evil practice this is. But she made references to pieces of children room where they call, they called a room called pieces of children room. Uh, and she made reference to the smell of abortion, a comment that jumps out in this article. Did you, did you know abortion even had a smell? But then the daily beast goes on to, but serious questions about Johnson's narrative, which became the basis for the movie unplanned have long been raised by records and a former friend. So basically, and I'm not going to get too deep into the detail on it, Planned Parenthood says, wait a minute, this can't have happened. Our records indicate there wasn't such an abortion. There wasn't a black, because Abby Johnson said it was a black baby at 13 weeks. There wasn't a black baby at 13 weeks. The most is 10 weeks. And there was one black lady whose uh, baby was aborted at six weeks. Who are you going to believe? I mean, yeah, we're, you know, it's her word against their word. But I don't trust Planned Parenthood. They are an evil organization. What Abby Johnson said about Margaret Sanger was spot on. Margaret Sanger wanted, was using abortion to eliminate the black race. It was eugenics. I mean, you can go back and look at the detail. Margaret Sanger also attended KKK rallies. She was an evil woman. And Abby Johnson laid that case out beautifully. So you're going to believe Planned Parenthood over this lady who was frontline? Hey, it is a he said or she said versus they said, but I'm just not buying Planned Parenthood. She gave a great speech. And then one of her former friends said, hey, man, this isn't, uh, she was fired. She didn't mention this to me. She's lying. This is this former friend, by the way, worked or may continue to work at Planned Parenthood. So regardless of what happened, how she left Planned Parenthood, what Planned Parenthood says, they don't deny. The, they abort babies through ultrasounds. They don't deny the story other than some details of the story. Abortion is a horrible, horrible practice. I thought Abby Johnson's speech was, I mean, I, to me, it was one of the highlights of, of, the, of the night because it was so powerful. Uh, and then Nicholas Sandman, the kid Sandman uh, spoke. He's the kid, y'all familiar with him, who the media just trashed. Uh, and um, and sued the media and won. And one of the media outlets that they sued, he sued and won against was CNN. And I was watching his speech on CNN and the irony was so thick that here CNN had to, had to run his speech. And uh, he had won so much for the kids a millionaire now because the media just slandered him. And now, you know, he said for life, so good on him. But it was so funny to watch his speech and to watch it on CNN. And the way the kid ended his speech by putting on a MAGA hat, just classic. Go to C-SPAN, watch that one, just classic. But then there was Pam Bondi. Pam Bondi, uh, former Florida Attorney General. Now, this, these are my one of my favorite segments and i'm going to i'm going to show you a media reaction to pam bondi i'll go over what her speech is here in a sec and then the media reaction and you just aren't going to believe this and then we'll get into some media bias and i got some other stories that we'll run so uh tiffany trump also spoke gave a pretty speech hey i never, never i don't think i've ever heard her voice before uh you know 
You had some great speakers. Eric Trump, I think, did a really good job. And then Trump was there a couple of times. He pardoned a guy on national TV. And the media is having a conniption about that one as well, which is absolutely awesome. So on live TV, uh, during a national or a Republican National Convention, he pardons a guy. And the guy is doing great work. He's a former felon, and he's helping ex-felons. I mean, the guy is doing phenomenal work. So Trump gives him a pardon and just pokes the media right in the eye and the left right in the eye. And then also Trump did a naturalization ceremony and the media had again a fit on that. If you're watching NMSNBC, that's the comedy show right there because they had a fit that Trump would be part of that naturalization services where people are becoming American citizens. And he had an Indian there. He had a black there from, um, uh, I forget which area, but Sudan, I believe. And he had a very diverse crowd and the media just went a pop. I'm going to mess up that word. So apoplectic, ah, screw the word. I mean, it was just so fun to watch because they just had a meltdown basically saying he's got a, he did the Muslim ban. He never had a Muslim ban and he doesn't want people like that, but he just did it. He just put people like that in our country. I mean, it was, it was just powerful. And I love it that he's just poking at the left doing that because he can. He's the incumbent. He's the president of the United States. And the media also is just having fits that they were doing this at the White House, that Melania's speech was in the Rose Garden. They just, the media is beside themselves trying to nitpick these little things. And all they're doing is highlighting and bringing attention to it, which is the ironic part. Uh, Daniel Cameron, who's the Kentucky Attorney General, who is black, by the way, gave a phenomenal speech. And again, this is what I'm talking about, how this administration is reaching out to the black community. They're showing what can be achieved. This is powerful stuff. Mike Pompeo gave a speech from Israel. And again, media had a fit saying that he's violating all kind of rules, ethic rules, blah, 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 blah. Who cares what the media thinks? Who cares what the left thinks? This is an administration that does things for the right reasons. I mean, I loved that he actually did a naturalization swearing-in ceremony at, at the Republican National Convention because it just, just pokes it right in the eye of the media and the left that he doesn't like foreigners when his wife is a freaking foreigner. She is a naturalized citizen of the United States. And that's the key to Trump's uh, immigration policy. It's about naturalized citizens, people coming here legally. They tried to make this message about illegal immigration and conflate it to all immigration. And it's just BS. I love that he did that pardon on uh, TV or on national TV at the Republican National Convention. Because again, there's so much that this president has done for the black community. And this is part of it. This president. Not Joe Biden or Barack Obama had enacted and got prison reform. This president, not the previous administration, which Biden is trying to best Trump in this. And this president, Donald J. Trump, is the one who got prison reform done. Here in the Atlanta market, we've got a Congress, a candidate for Congress, Angela Stanton King, who was pardoned by Trump because of the and, and was a leader in the prison reform. And you don't see the media say a word because she's a Republican. She's a black Republican. And you've got more and more of that coming up. I'm telling you, this is the key to this race. And then Melania Trump gave a speech. And you know what? I blasted 
Michelle Obama saying she wasn't a good speaker. I got to give it Michelle Obama's speech. She's a better speaker than Melania, but Melania doesn't try to do all these speeches. This isn't her thing. I mean, she gave a decent speech, delivered it, but it, and the word, the content of the speech was absolutely wonderful, but she's just not a dynamic speaker. So you probably lost some viewers on that. I'll be quite honest. You got to say it out loud, but let's go back to Pam Bondi. Um, I'm not going to play her speech, but let me play, let me go over part of what the, um, the media, the media did a fact check, political, PolitiFact did a fact check on Pam Bondi's speech. And then I'm going to play you an MSNBC clip on how they reacted to Pam Bondi's speech. So here's PolitiFact. Uh, the headline is fact-checking Pam Bondi's RNC attacks about Hunter Biden. And it was a brutal attack. I, I mean, just brutal. She just went right for the throat. Here's a quote from her speech. A corrupt Ukrainian oligarch put Hunter on the board of his gas company, even though he had no experience in Ukraine or in the energy sector, none, yet he was paid millions to do nothing. How do you counter that? How do you possibly say that didn't happen? Well, you can't. Here's what PolitiFact did. This, this is PolitiFact. Bondi has a point that Hunter had no experience in Ukraine or the energy sector. She has a point? No, it's not that she has a point. She was spot on. PolitiFact goes on. Despite the lack of experience, he joined the board of Burisma beginning in 2014 when his father, as vice president, was publicly representing U.S. policy on the country, which had become the center of a tug of war between Russia and the West. Okay, where, where's the problem here with her, what she said, her statement? PolitiFact goes on. Most of the criticism we found PolitiFact, focused on the conflict of interest Hunter Biden created by accepting the position. We found no evidence to suggest Joe Biden did anything wrong or inappropriate in his official capacity as vice president. So no evidence that he did anything wrong? Now, maybe nothing illegal. I don't know. But ethical? Please. This is whitewashing it so much. Hunter Biden's work attracted attention at the time. This is PolitiFact. The oligarch behind the firm and I'm not going to butcher that name, faced investigations for money laundering and tax evasions. Staff at the State Department said they expressed concerns in 2015 when Hunter Biden started serving on the board of Parisma. So, so far, Pam Bondi spot on, right? There's nothing in here that's saying Pam Bondi is wrong. Exactly how much Hunter Biden was paid remains unclear, PolitiFact says. As a director, Biden made up to 50000 per month some months, according to the New York Times. He left Burisma in the spring of 2019, around the time the elder Biden announced his 2020 presidential run. Nothing Pam Bondi said was disputed. Now, here's another quote from Pam Bondi's speech. That very same company was being investigated by a Ukrainian prosecutor. Joe Biden, the vice president of the United States, threatened to withhold aid to Ukraine unless that same prosecutor was fired, and then he was fired. Again, is that not true? I mean, we all saw the video, right? Well, here's PolitiFact. It's true that Vice President Biden called for Ukraine to fire uh, Viktor Shokin, the prosecutor general, but so did many other major world leaders and institutions because of Shokin's slowness in addressing corruption. There's no evidence that Biden's position on Shokin had anything to do with his son. The, and, and that quote I read to you from Pam Bondi didn't say it did. But it did say that Joe Biden, the vice president of the United States, threatened to withhold aid to Ukraine unless the same prosecutor was fired and then he was fired. Again, 
It's true. What she said is true. Here's another quote from Pam Bondi's speech. Fact, Joe Biden flew to China on Air Force One Two, or I'm sorry, Air Force Two with Hunter along for the ride. Ten days later, those Chinese communist bankers approved millions to go to Hunter's firm. To this day, Hunter controls a 10% stake in that firm. Okay, is it true? PolitiFact, let's see what they say. They say, this needs context. <laughs> Bondi is drawing from the book by Peter Schweitzer, a conservative author, in his 2019 book, Secret Empires, How the American Political Class Hides Corruption and Enriches Family and Friends. In 2008, the younger Biden joined a string of investment and consulting firms. One of these efforts led to business activities in China. So far, they haven't countered what she said. In 2013, then-Vice President Biden and his son Hunter flew aboard Air Force Two to China. Schweitzer wrote in a summary of his finding on Fox News, 10 days later, Hunter Biden's firm scored a $1.5 billion deal with a subsidiary of the Chinese government's Bank of China. Was Pam Bondi not telling, saying that? That's exactly what Pam Bondi just said. PolitiFact goes on. Schweitzer wrote that Rosemount Seneca, Seneca, one of Hunter Biden's firms, and the Bank of China created an investment fund called uh, Bohaya Harvest RST. Uh, PolitiFact goes on to say they looked into the detail at Hunter's, Hunter's China dealings in May. They found that BHR has been involved in several large deals since 2014, but solid information on the fund's money flow is hard to pin down. So, uh, and they go on in October 2017, after his father left government service, Hunter acquired a 10% interest in BHR, uh, Messer said. As of October 2019, he added Hunter's capital commitment for such interest is approximately $420,000. Where was Pam Bondi wrong? Where was she wrong? This is what PolitiFact says about it. Overall, we found no indication that the younger Biden did anything illegal. Other relatives of politicians, both Democrats and Republicans, have had dealings with Chinese businesses. Yes, they have. But did Pam Bondi say anything out of context? No. Everything she said thus far in these quotes is spot on. Here's another quote from Pam Bondi's speech. And Joe Biden has done more than look the other way on China. He said, he said, the Chinese aren't our competition. Come on, man. They're not bad folks quote unquote, Pam Bondi. So here's what PolitiFact says. This attack lacks the contents of Biden's full remarks and omits that he was putting down China, not praising it. Really? During a campaign stop in May 2019, Biden argued that China was no competition for the United States. And ex again, that's what Pam Bondi said. All right. So this is Biden's quote. China is going to eat our lunch, question mark. Come on, man, Biden said. They can't even figure out how to deal with the fact that they have this great division between the China Sea and the mountains in the east. I mean, in the west. They can't figure out how they're going to deal with the corruption that exists within the system. I mean, you know, they're not bad folks, folks. But guess what? They're not competition for us. That's what Biden said. And again, that's Biden looking the other way and saying they aren't competition. They are competition. The Chinese, the economy, the Chinese want to be number one in the world. They absolutely are competition and they are our enemy. Nothing Pam Bondi said, nothing that she said is wrong. That story's out there. PolitiFact tried to spin it, but you just can't. Every, they, there's nothing that they, she said they've put as fact-checking that was wrong. Listen to MSNBC. <laughs> 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 
We had wondered why this was the one speech that they didn't give any advance excerpts or yeah. any advance text for. Now we That's know. why. Now we, I mean, first of all, as she, I was trying furiously, I don't type fast enough to take mm. enough notes here, but just going through what Pam Bondi just did was give a litany of, of, of allegations to try to make Joe Biden look like he's corrupt and that Joe Biden's children have benefited from his political career, which is literally the indictment of the Trump family. Yes, which is why they did it. And let us just remind, be reminded that who Pam Bondi is. When she was the attorney general of Florida, this is the woman who, after having gotten a $25,000 donation from Donald Trump, decided not to pursue a case against Trump University, which, of course, Letitia James in New York did. She did not. And she was unique in finding no fault in the fact that Trump University uh, allegedly defrauded thousands and thousands of people out of money um, that they had paid for a university to try to be like Donald Trump. Trump also had person. to give back his campaign donation to Pam Bondi because yes. he gave, made it out of his charity. Out of his charity. Let, let me, and that's Pam no, Bondi. Let, let me offer this fact check. We know from three years of reporting that Donald Trump has urged his, his first White House counsel, Don McGahn, his first attorney general, Jeff Sessions, to prosecute his political enemies. At the time, that included... Um, ultimately Jim Comey and Hillary Clinton. We know that under Bill Barr, the Justice Department has been used to liberate his political allies. We know that there is a will and we know that there is a willing accomplice in Bill Barr. We also, I, I know from my own reporting that Donald Trump is agitated today with Christopher Wray for not being more forthcoming in turning over more material to Ron Johnson's committee. If Hunter, Biden, the Biden right, yeah. if Hunter Biden had committed a crime, Donald Trump runs the government and has freely and daily and regularly tried to steer investigations in a direction that will hurt his political enemies. Donald, there is an FBI. If crimes had been committed, they would be under investigation. Andrew Weissman is standing by his former general counsel. So did you hear that? <laughs> if the crime was committed, there would have been an investigation. But does it have, I mean... Is that it has to be a crime? I mean, there's ethics here. Do, do we think that it was unethical or ethical what Biden and Hunter Biden did? And did you notice they they started off the clip by laughing by what Pam Bondi said, but they absolutely refuted nothing. They went into a character assassination on Trump and his family, basically trying to say that the Trump family has enriched themselves from Trump's presidencies. I'd love to see where that where that is, because actually Trump has lost wealth. The Trump organization has lost business. But these people, these leftists, so-called journalists, so-called media people are going to try to say that the Trump family has enriched themselves when we know Hunter Biden absolutely did. I mean, it's plain as day. You cannot see not see it you just cannot not see it they refuted nothing and they went into a character assassination on president trump because that's all they have they know they 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 they're the ones now turning the blind eye what would happen if we had a media that was honest and just reported what would happen if the fact checks came back saying yeah well what pam bondi said is actually true democrats would never get elected again they would never get elected to political office again. But not, not, uh, not our media. Nope. So 
I'm going to wrap up this segment before we get into the second part of the show, part two, with six highlights from the RNC night two. This is um, from NBC News, six highlights. The first highlight, they go, the takeaway, as they call them, first takeaway, COVID? Question mark, what COVID? For the second night in a row, you could be forgiven for watching the Republican convention and having no idea there was a worldwide pandemic raging. The COVID-19 crisis, which voters say is the most important issue facing the country right now, almost never came up on Tuesday. Remember that. They said for the second night in a row. Now, if you watch day one, the Republican National Committee started with COVID, started with Trump, what Trump has done in response to this pandemic from China. That's bullet number one takeaway. Look at takeaway number two. Number two is Melania's moment. She sounded like the first lady of a different administration. Uh, no, sorry folks, she's of this administration. So sounding like she's from a different administration is one, it's insulting. And two, it means you agree with her, that you thought she did well. And if you think she did well, then you're starting to see this administration doing well. It was a, this is from the report or from the article, it was a remarkably traditional speech for a remarkably, remarkably untraditional time. Then this part. Remember, takeaway number one, takeaway number one, no COVID. This paragraph was sentenced from the second paragraph on Melania's moment. Melania Trump opened by offering condolences for people who have lost loved ones to the coronavirus crisis, notably referred to, referring it to as COVID, not the China virus. Now, they just told us that there was no COVID, that they didn't mention COVID on day two. You wouldn't know a pandemic was happening. And now in their second bullet, they're telling us Melania Trump addressed it and, and gave sorrow for all the lives lost. You can't have it both ways, media. You can't have one narrative and then another narrative that conflicts with your first narrative in the second freaking bullet. <sighs> Number three, Marines as extras in Trump's show. It wasn't just Secretary of State Mike Pompeo speaking to the convention from Jerusalem in defiance of the precedent set by his predecessors and seemingly of his own department's ethics policy. It wasn't just Melania Trump speaking from the Rose Garden, and it wasn't just Trump casting the White House Marine Guards as extras in a segment of the convention, despite Pentagon rules. All of that happened Tuesday night, but Trump did more than use his taxpayer-funded office and residence as a backdrop. He employed the official powers of the presidents for partisan politics. First, by granting a pardon, then by hosting a naturalization ceremony at the White House, all part of his television GOP convention. you damn right. And he had every right to do it. You media leftists have, want us to stay home, shelter in place, and now you're going to have a conniption fit when Trump, be, during a pandemic, does this out of the White House? He lives at the White House. Sorry, this one ain't going to play. And then you, I'm not, this... I'm not going to show this clip, but then you had a clip of Joy Reid, you know, intellectual giant that she is after Melania's speech saying they were literally thousands of people there not wearing a mask for that speech and not social distancing. There were not thousands. If you watch the speech, there were hundreds, there weren't thousands, but she's got to play it up. And uh, again, the whole no social distancing. All right. Bullet number four. Dynasty Watch, former Florida Attorney General Pam Bondi revived questionable allegations of nepotism against Joe Biden and his son, Hunter. But Trump's own relatives, several of whom are on his payroll, were front and center Tuesday. And it goes on to talk about how the Trump's kids 
and in-laws, daughter-in-law are speaking a lot. And they are, you know, I'm, I may give them a little bit on this. I think it may be a little too much. There are too many Trumps that speaking. Um, but, you know, there's a power to do it. But I, I, this one does cringe me a little bit as well. I'm actually going to give them this point. But here, this, this paragraph I don't like. It raises the question not just of whether the future of the Republican Party belongs to the Trumps or to the Nikki Haley's and Tim Scott's Republicans of color spoke Monday at the convention, but which flavor of Trumpism, the pugnacious own the lib style or Eric and Don Jr. Uh, of Eric and Don Jr. or the softer style of Ivanka and Melania? What, what the hell does that even mean? I mean, why do they got to throw Nikki Haley and Tim Scott into this mix? Now, I, I, I like Nikki Haley. I didn't think her speech was that great. That I, I thought her content was great. Delivery, not so much. Tim Scott's speech, I loved. His content, his delivery was, I think, just phenomenal. Uh, bullet number five, tough on crime versus reform. And this is another BS one. Trump and other Republicans often warn that if Democrats win, they'll defund the police and cities will be awash with riotous mobs and dangerous criminals. But Trump sought to round out the image Tuesday. Multiple segments highlighted the First Step Act, a criminal, criminal justice reform law that is one of Trump's biggest legislative achievements. He granted a pardon Tuesday to a convicted bank robber, and a video highlighted the touching story of a police officer who adopted the daughter of a pregnant heroin addict. By the way, I forgot to mention that in the early uh, when I was going over the agenda. That was a great story and a great speech. Uh, Mr. Vice, this is from the article. Mr. Vice President, look at me. I am black. Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron, a rising star in the GOP, said, referring to Joe Biden, we're not all the same. I'm not in chains. My mind is my own. The message may be aimed more at on-the-fence Republicans and people of color, with Trump trying to make them feel comfortable voting for a man whom many critics call racist. Really? So what they're trying to tell you is that how can Trump say he's tough on crime, but then uh, move forward the first step back that lets criminals out? No, it has nothing to do with the riots and the, and the protesters, if you will. Those, that's where Trump is tough on crime. But the first step act is giving people second chance. That's what the left wants. But now they're slamming him saying that this message somehow conflicts with what Trump being tough on crime in the first step. It's just absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. Just, uh, I can't believe that the media actually writes this garbage and put this out there without seeing what hypocrites they are. And the last one, number six, this one, you're just going to love. Uh, Trump, the Trump campaign abruptly canceled, uh, oh, by the way, number six is controversial speakers. From the article, Trump campaign abruptly canceled a speaker who had retweeted anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. She later said that she had not read the tweets and apologized, saying it didn't reflect her views. Well, well she wasn't a speaker. The Trump campaign found out information and acted on it and took her off the list. But yet the Democrats had a murderer, a rapist, and a torturer who had a, who had a speaking spot. The lay, there's a lay, and I'm not saying her name, but she kid, back in the 80s, she kidnapped a man, raped him, tortured him, murdered him. And, and she got out of jail. I think somebody said she was pardoned by either Obama or by Clinton. I'm not sure. And she got a, she was a speaker at the DNC. But Trump gets somehow slammed for, as a controversial, having controversial speakers when this speaker was canceled once they found out the information. The stretch the media has to do to slam this president is epic. 
Second part of number six, controversial speakers. But an anti-abortion activist was allowed to speak even after spending much of the evening defending of her opinion that only the head of household, usually a husband, should be allowed to vote. In a godly household, she said, the husband would get the final say. That's um, Abby Johnson that they're saying that of. So they have to slam her. I tell you what, the media... Media is useless. Our mainstream media is useless. Hey, this went a little bit long uh, on the second part of this. I'm going to get off of the convention, give you some quick take stories that uh, are out there uh, that some of them are just funny as all get out. The irony of the left just never ceases to amaze me. So thank you for listening to this portion, this episode of the PBL podcast. Please visit our website, pblpodcast.com. Click on our YouTube link and subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Uh, if you want to see my TikToks, which we have had over a million views on uh, TikTok in the last month, and you don't like TikTok, I get it. You can go to my YouTube channel and see the TikToks I'm putting out there. I mean, they are blowing up on TikTok and they are on fire. And again, it's on my YouTube channel. Click the link at my website, thepblpodcast.com and subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Join me after this for part two of this segment of the PBL Podcast.